Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. And here we are again. My goodness. Seems like just yesterday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was really just a week ago. Yeah. Boss. Yeah. And uh, how you been? I think the side of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about uh, it. So, what happened? Wow. What'd you do? Well, I'll tell you what, I was getting a meal deal from the co-op where you get a nice sandwich, you get a Davy Lee Dunker or a pepperoni, and you get a bottle of uh, pop. Wait, wait, say, did you say pepperoni? A meal, yeah, no, pepperoni. Pe- pepperoni? Yeah, it's like a weird, angry, spicy sausage <laughs> in foil. I don't know what that is, pepperoni. Oh, the advert's brilliant for it if you ever find that on YouTube. It's like an angry sausage kicking off because it wants to come out of its wrapper. <laughs> I only know about pepperoni. Oh, it's a bit like things, that. Huh? Yeah? It kind of tastes a bit like it, but spicy and in sausage mm. form, small sausage form. Yeah, when I look it up, I only see a plant, pepperoni plants. Oh, oh, well, if I could get a plant, that'd be great that made pepper army. <laughs> uh, a meat, meat making plant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was eating, I was eating my meal deal and I bit my mouth. I was eating my sandwich too grotesquely. Wow. I think must have been the words. I don't know. And um, my face and my sandwich just went into one and here we go. Here we are. Now it stings. <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, nothing like adding a little blood to your meal, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that is the worst, though. When you like bite your cheek or burn your mouth, I think burning your mouth is the worst. Oh, you know, I always do that on pizza and soup because I can't wait. Right. Same here. Yeah. And then you burn, and then it like ruins the rest of the meal. It's like over. But then you're know, like, I don't even want to eat anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the worst. And then you know, and you you bite your cheek or something, and it's like the same thing as burning your mouth. The last like three or four days, and you're just like, ah, life sucks. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep a lookout for that. But would you pep- pepperoni? <laughs> yeah, pepperoni. Anybody else heard that? Heard of that before? That's a that's a that's a British thing, or what is that? I don't know. I've never known anyone that's not yeah. heard of pepperoni. It's like your guys' spotted dick. <laughs> do you guys really eat that that's a dessert right i've never had it but oh, okay. i'm not a dessert person so all right i remember uh that what was that movie john goodman uh king ralph came out that was, oh, I love that. yeah that was so hilarious <laughs> such a great movie <clears throat> how accurate is it? is it is it very accurate yeah probably quite yeah, I think like, that would be like you if you came to visit me. Oh yeah, definitely. I have no doubt. More we could get you than... a little crown as well and pretend that you're part of the royal family. I would love it. Yeah, a little Burger King crown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, because there's no Burger King near me. Oh, there isn't. Okay, well. So we'd have KFC to crown. On. <laughs> KFC crown, just a chicken bucket on your on your head like a hat. Right. <laughs> There's a musician out here called Buckethead where he wears a KFC bucket on his head. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we have a guy called, I think he's called Lord Bucket now. I can't remember. But he keeps running for, um, like running for mayor in London. <laughs> and he wears like a like a bucket on his head that looks a bit like Darth Vader. 
Oh, that's funny. There, there is a guy, I think it's uh, New York or DC or something out here. His name is like Vermin something. It's like this old homeless guy or appears to be anyways. He keeps running for president every year or like every four years. And it's just hilarious. I don't know. Oh, he'll get there one day. Yeah, I'm sure he will. He's gotten, he's gotten notoriety over it, but you know, I don't think anybody's ever going to really vote for him. <laughs> Ah, you think that, but then you end up with the monster raving loony party. That That's we true. Actually had, we actually had them. Yeah, they, they, I, mean, I think people were scared of how many people were voting for them at one point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true because I mean, I would have never in a million years thought that Trump would be elected. But, you know, there we were. And here we are probably again. He'll probably get, you know, get elected again. It's just a strange world. But get yeah. the bucket guy. He sounds yeah, fun. The bucket guy. <laughs> Yeah. Buckethead for president. Yeah, Buckethead for president. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wears pin badges, so you all just put buckets on their head. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if uh, I did PR for that guy, he'd be like the president. Oh, yeah. It'd be like, uh, you ever seen, um, um, what the heck is that movie? Uh, um, Oh my goodness. I can't even think of it now. It's made by the guy that did Beavis and Butthead. Um, oh my goodness. I can't think of it right now. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Some other day. Moving on. It's just like that film. We can't remember. Bye. Yeah, can't remember it. <laughs> It'll pop into my head eventually at some point. <laughs> uh, but anyway, all right, I guess we better get into the drink for tonight before I start mentioning other things that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't know. This is this is kind of a fruity drink. It doesn't really go with its name too well, but um, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens after you drink this one? Uh, this this is called the uh, Neon Nightmare. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this consists of, um, and help me out here with the pronunciations: uh, a quarter ounce of blue Carico liquor. What? Is that correct? I thought you were saying carrot. Carrot. C u r a c a o. I think it's caraco. Caracao. Caracao. I've got no idea. We're not putting cows in drinks, are we? No. Well, there are some with milk. Blue quarter quarter ounce blue caracao liquor. Three and a half ounces of pineapple juice. A half ounce of Midori melon liquor. And a qu- one and a quarter ounce of Malibu uh, coconut rum. So it's a fairly sweet drink. Um, mm. And it is, uh, let's see, wait, let's see uh, how you make it. You combine the ingredients into a mixing tin full of ice. Shake vigorously until the ice sounds different. There and we go. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it has. And you strain it into a hurricane glass. Which I'm, I'm conflicted. I like. I'm not sure what. Did we what, figure that out? I, I, I see. I see a hurricane glass that, like, I don't know. When I look it up, it's different on, in different pictures. Um, some of them, like, will show it as like a the hourglass looking. You know, like the the drink that you know you'd get in like a big like fruity drink, like the it's like kind of shaped like an hourglass. And then I see other ones that are look more like a um, a schooner glass, um, uh, but also like a tiki glass as well. Um, so I don't know. I guess oh, any glass basically. Yeah, it seems like. <laughs> so I don't know, but uh, Ooh, I think it looks it's like a pina colada glass. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think that's what it's meant to be in. Yeah. Oh, but, I've just found one that looks like a pineapple. That's cool. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that it's you know, that hourglass kind of shaped one. Um, but yeah, uh, so you shake it till ice sounds different. And you pour it into your hurricane hurricane glass, and you garnish it with garnish it with a uh, orange flag, which I guess is like an orange wheel or a half cut sliced orange thing. <laughs> Um, I did find an alternative uh, recipe for this as well. So um, this one has pineapple juice, but also has, um, uh, you can use sour apple pucker, which I'm, I'm guessing is sort of like a, um, uh, 
maybe like a apple schnapps or something. I'm not really sure. Oh, is that like a syrupy apple thing? Yeah, I think that has liquor. Yeah. I'm not 100 certain, but I think that's that's what it is. Um, and this one you would garnish with a cherry. Oh, um, bid that off. <laughs> so there's, a, there's this one's got a few, you know, because you got the coconut, you've got the melon, you've got the apple or sour apple and the pineapple and cherry. So this one's got a few additional flavors in there, which basically anything they found lying around left over in the fridge, they've got, oh, put this in. Yeah. Any, any sort of fruit with sugar in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crappy juice, whack that in, love. I'm sure it'd be fine. It's the same color as the cherry. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, but it sounds good. It sounds like that might be a, a fun like uh, drink if you're hanging out on a beach and it's not, you know, 12 degrees outside, like I'm sure it is over there at your house right now. Oh, bloody freezing. I've got my dressing gown on. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Dressing gown? What? Is like you don't? Oh, come on. You don't know what a dressing gown is? Uh, I don't know. Like a, like a robe, right? You're having me on. I'm not. What, do, what is what, it? What do you wear? When you're cold and you've got your pajamas on and you've got your, your extra like little, like, I mean, yeah, you, I guess you'd call you it a like blanket. a fluffy robe. Like a, no, like, no, you see, you double layer when you're cold. You have your pajamas, you have your dressing gown, and then you have your blanket and your fluffy socks. Well, you're a master of cold weather. I'm not. I live in California, so it's like, I'm, uh, you know, I just, I just throw a blanket on or a sweatshirt. Show I'm, I'm good with that. A dressing gown. Uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, a dressing gown. It's like if a towel was made into like an overcoat. So it's like those huggies or whatever, like those, those like uh, those blankets with the arm sleeves. <laughs> well, yeah, but you don't have a dressing gown. That's just weird. I don't know. You have a. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we do. <laughs> what do you What do you have when you get out the bath or the shower that you put on? Don't say it's a, a robe. towel. Just a robe. So it's I a mean, robe. Is it like yeah. thin and silky? What? No. I mean, I guess for some women it would be. I mean, no, it'd be like kind of thicker, like a towel-ish. I don't really use one, but you know. Yeah, that's... so it, it's like that, but imagine really, really ridiculously fluffy. Okay. Interesting. With a hood. With and a pockets. hood. <laughs> and pockets. And pockets. All right. Do you wear this out? out and about when you're doing chores some some errands? people do some people mm-hmm. go to the supermarket in their pajamas <laughs> I don't because mm-hmm. my pajamas are too good for shopping <laughs> that's your Sunday best right your pajamas that's Sunday <laughs> hey my dressing gown is James T. Kirk's Star Trek uniform <laughs> oh yes it is so you got a mustard yellow uh... <laughs> okay Yep, with, with Star Trek insignia on the right side. Nice. It says Kirk on the back, just in nice. case anyone forgets. <laughs> anyone who forgets, okay. <laughs> yeah. My last one was a Captain America one, so it had big Captain America shield on the back and then like the arms was the, was the uniform. But well, <laughs> badass when I wore that, I was ready to kick off. Oh my goodness, so you have multiple dressing gowns. Yeah, I do. <laughs> And Street has um, an Only Fools and Horses one, which I don't know whether you've watched that. But it's what like Del it? Boy's coat. What, what is it called? Only Fools and Horses, the TV show. Oh There's a character God. in it called Del Boy, and Street's okay. got like his coat as a dressing gown. It's dead groovy. Oh, interesting. All right. You guys are going to have to dress up and send me a picture of that because I'm, I'm I was curious. Gonna, I feel like we've got to take pictures to just sort of like describe this more accurately to you. <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. That'll be that'll be hilarious. We'll have to put that up on the website or something. <laughs> Show the world my, my pajamas mm-hmm. pajama and dressing gown. Oh, yeah. It's got to happen. I think you owe me a picture already of something. I can't remember what it is. So you're lucky. I think, yeah, I think I probably do. <laughs> so you got to send me a picture of the uh, pepperami. <laughs> yes, I, you know what? I'll send Lily to the shop tomorrow morning and get a pepperami because we need to send this to Jason. <laughs> and a family photo on dressing gowns. <laughs> dressing gowns holding a pepperami. <laughs> you know, we got to have Ian do a painting of you guys in a dressing gown. So it's like a, it's like one of those paintings you hang over the fireplace. <laughs> 
sat in a chair just with a, instead of like having a cigarette we just have a pepper army in our hands ah uh, gosh that'd be hilarious we need that <laughs> <laughs> well that's your Christmas present sorted isn't it <laughs> you go I will put that over my fireplace <laughs> Shoney's having nightmares every day Burn the oh, picture yeah. Jason <laughs> Oh my goodness Alright guys that's uh, that's your Neon Nightmare cocktail uh, We hope you enjoy it uh, It's a very sweet drink for this very very dark film That we're about to talk about And uh, here's the trailer for tonight's film superior feeling is as if you were in the know and they were on the outside looking in molly was telling me about that code you and pete used to use in vaudeville i, I was thinking that if Pete got sick or something why i could work from the audience just like he used to oh, my dead body she will pete come on pete Maybe it's the best thing that could have happened. I've got the code. You know it as well as I do. And I've got you. This question, can you tell me how it is signed? It is signed with the initial R. That's right. How did you happen to know so much about me? That fellow you were with, the Major D says he's a pretty big guy in this town realize what you've got here. We could set this town on its ear. I see someone standing between me and that lady. She wants to speak to you. She says... You're making a mistake. Stan, turn that card over and we'll see how it'll end up. Stan and Carlisle, known as the great Stanton nightclub mentalist, fell into a deep trance during his act in a nightclub. Before doing so, he was able to talk to and see, so he claims, the departed daughter of a famous Chicago society woman. But you can't do that. I mean, you told Mrs. Peabody nobody could. John, forgive me. Forgive me, darling. I believe now. I believe everything. We don't want to take any chances. This thing's too big. He's nothing but an uncommonly shrewd young trickster. All these things that you think you have done lately, all that have been done to you, are merely the fancy guilt of your past life projected on the present. You must regard it all as a nightmare. One more rhythm start to play. Right. That was the trailer for the 1947 film Nightmare Alley. Uh, Nightmare Alley is an American film noir directed by Edmund Golding from a screenplay by Jules Furthman. Jules Furthman. It's based on William Lindsay Gershom's uh, 1946 novel of the same name. And I think we've talked about this before where a lot of these uh, books come out and like almost instantaneously are turned into films, like sometimes less than a year later. And that, that seems like sort of like a commonality between that time period and our time period now. It seems almost like books are such a, I mean, they've always sort of been a commodity in Hollywood, but um, it seems like it's uh, even more so kind of right now, I think, uh, we, you know, with the Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and like, there's so many, so many books being turned into movies and it seems like that was a huge thing back then in the forties as well. So not even a year later, um, Nightmare Alley comes out, um, based on the 46 novel and it's just, uh, I think that's crazy that they go into production that quickly. And, um, what's unique about this film though, is it stars, um, Tyrone Power. Um, who was a big uh, swash 
buckling star at the time. And uh, most noirs didn't uh, feature very well-known uh, A-list actors, so to speak, um, except for, you know, like maybe the Bogart films, things like that. But um, this was sort of a big budgeted uh, noir film. <clears throat> but um, I guess before we get into too much and before I forget, because that's pretty common for me to do, is we need to uh, have Carly do her in a nutshell synopsis. Ha <laughs> ha. Dun dun dun. And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. Okay. Film where one conversation gives away the entire plot. <laughs> uh what? Okay. Do you like it? I think so. I'm not sure yet because I'm not sure what conversation. Tell me what the conversation is. Where did it? Yeah. So Which, with Stan and Pete, when they had that ridiculously overlong conversation about how he came to be what he was being and blah, 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 blah. Basically, that's the film. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's telling him he didn't listen. What Pete said happened. The end. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but we get to see like we get to see it though because we don't. He, he doesn't go into super depth though, right? No, oh, I mean, it's to just be honest, basis. I quite I, I preferred the conversation to the actual seeing it. If I'm honest, uh, okay, uh, okay. Well, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with that. That's interesting. I mean, I guess it does tell you the film, but that's just sort of that like that history repeating itself, sort of like warning foreshadowing i guess maybe it's heavy foreshadowing i don't know but yeah it's like the that's... ghost of christmas past <laughs> before he was a ghost <laughs> yeah i guess so i mean and that makes sense though <clears throat> but uh huh, yeah all right but you know that takes place like what 40 minutes into the movie oh i don't know i lost all sense of time Yeah, it's got to be like at least 30, 40 minutes into the movie. So it's not like, you know, it has, it has a good amount of setup before that. <clears throat> right? Uh-huh. I think so, anyways. Well, all right. Whatever. I think we're, I know where we're headed on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Carly, Carly destroys another classic film. Oh, do you know what? I found really exciting. Right. That you like, uh, Tyrone Powers eyeliner. What a name, Tyrone <laughs> Power. And I was thinking, oh, that, that's brilliant. That is like, that is such a commanding stage name. Oh, yeah. He has the best name ever. I'm, I'm sure it's probably fake, I would think. I don't care. I don't care if it's fake or real. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Tyrone Power. I guess so. It's a little odd. <laughs> a little odd. <laughs> Yeah. It it was his real name apparently, Tyrone Edmund Power the <laughs> Third. That's that's even better. That's brilliant. I really like that. Yeah. And I really liked him. Yes. Right. As well. Interesting. Um yeah. Okay. I thought it was all right. I I thought I thought he was better than yeah. Well, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, for the folks at home, we're going to also uh, follow this up with uh, um, the the remake of Nightmare Alley. So I guess I'll I'll say I did enjoy Tyrone Power better than Bradley Cooper. Um, but again, I don't know if that was necessarily the actor's fault or what it is. But anyway, so uh, did you know anything about Nightmare Alley going into this? No, Have you seen I didn't. It okay. No. This was totally brand new. All right. Um, had you heard of it before? Like at all? No. Do you know, I couldn't place it. I'd be lying if I said that I could I could have placed it before. Because hmm. I had heard of it. I had never seen it before. I had never read the book. Um, and I had never seen the movie. Um, but I've heard of it. And I don't know. For some reason, I don't, I don't care for like um, circus or carny style movies for whatever reason. I don't know why I don't have, I don't have a good reason why. 
<laughs> I just don't, for whatever reason, they're just not interesting to me in general. Mm. Um, uh, so I just, I never like felt the need to watch this movie, even though I knew it was like considered a, a, a classic, you know, noir film. Uh, and I, I, you know, most people say it's like very different, but, um, I don't know. I just never really had a need to watch, to watch it, I guess. Cause I guess freaks is another one that I've, I have seen, but again, it's not like, Oh, this is amazing. But, uh, cause I don't know. I just got this weird, like sort of like, I'm not really interested in carnival films, oh. but I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, yeah, like what, what, did, what, how did you feel about the, the setup or the carnival aspect to it? Like, um, I quite liked it actually. Mm. I quite enjoyed it. Um, but I sat through a Lou Diamond Phillips film where he was at the carnival. So <laughs> what was that? I God, is it called Carney? I think it might actually know. be called Carney. It's got Lee Diamond Phillips in it. You know, when he went through his like uh, 90s period of just being in strange shit. (laughs) I mean, that's his whole career, isn't it? (laughs) Hey, Courage Under Fire is a bloody good film. Uh, I'd have to rewatch that. I know I've seen it, but, uh, you know, I really liked him in The First Power. I thought that was a great movie. Yeah, he did. He did have some good, but he had. Some, let's face it, he had like bats. I mean, come on, he did like uh, bats. I like and bats did, actually. Like, five of the different versions of bats, except it wasn't bats. It was like snakes or something. Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I really I actually I liked bats. It, um, I don't know. Dimension was doing a lot of movies at the time, and I thought that was a pretty cool. One. But uh, I didn't. You know, I wouldn't say I watched it because of Lou Diamond Phillips. I mean, for me, he was just you know. Um, La Bamba guy, uh, or hey, or there's uh, nothing wrong with being that. No, no, there's not. But I mean, that was like his. Feel big, like I really want to go. Da, la, 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 but I can't <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just it's one of those things where it's like an actor that never really broke out of his first big role, and he got stuck with that. And whenever you see him, it's like oh, it's the La Bamba guy, or it's the uh, uh, what was the Western um, Young Guns? Yeah, um, those were the things. So. Um, I don't know, whatever. Well, he follows me on Twitter, so I'm going to tell him you said that. (laughs) I did tell you I sat next to him at lunch, right? When we were at... uh, Yeah, you did, you bastard. Where's my autograph? Where's my message from him saying, I love you, Carly. Thanks for the support. You're welcome, mate. (laughs) Right. Him and uh, Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. But you can keep Jason Patrick. I'm not interested in him. Oh, he's cool, though. I think he's good. No, he's not. He was in Speed 2. He's the least cool person on the planet. I didn't think that was that bad. Yeah, but have you seen... Um... Oh, for God's sake, on a speedboat, no. <laughs> was the movie Narc? Is that what it was called? I can't remember. No, it's Narc or Narc. Yeah, I think I know which one you mean. Yeah, he's in some good stuff, man. Lost Boys. I don't know. He's cool. He for Sutherland <clears throat> carried that. Next. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say Corey Haim carried it, but you know, that's whatever. What do I know? (laughs) Um, I I quite liked it. I, I, we were talking about the carnival aspect. I really liked it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoyed all the time it was set at the carnival. Hmm. I think my, my issue was when, it went away from the carnival is where I started to lose interest. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. That didn't really bother me too much. Um, in the film, but I, you know, I, I don't know, even like, uh, it reminded me a lot of, um, the mentalist, um, which I'm sure the mentalist, you know, is sort of a homage to this. Yeah. In a way. Um, I got that a little bit as well. Yeah, because I mean, his whole backstory is the carnival as well, which makes sense with the whole like mm-hmm. uh, psychic ability kind of you know thing. Yeah. But um, it was it seems like it was borrowed pretty heavily from this because um, just the whole family sort of dynamic and uh, the forty seven film really um, had that sort of close knit sort of like group family dynamic, um, which I don't know. I I guess that was like a good part of it. But also, 
you could kind of, you get, I mean, you know, this guy is like an outsider, you know, they don't even, even if it, you know, the movie itself is like, you know, doesn't set him up as an outsider, I guess per se, like, you, you know, he doesn't, he's not quite close knit as the rest of them. And then, no. you know, and then when they find out that he's, you know, messing around with, uh, uh, whatever that her name is, the electrocution lady. <laughs> <laughs> the woman that electrocutes herself every three hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that, that was, that was one of the, when we get to that scene, that's, you know, another like 30 minutes into the movie or whatever. Um, I thought the whole like forcing them pr- to get- They were going to kill him. Yeah. They, they, they were going to kill him if he said no. <laughs> yeah. It's really strange. Right. Like I felt that that was like so odd. Um, like forcing them to get married. And it's such like a quick kind of scene. Like I'm going to choke you till you say yes. <laughs> yeah. Know? And then it's next, like, let's get, let's get it all day. And somebody come over here and read these words out. <laughs> Toast. <laughs> it's such an odd, odd scene, but you know, I don't know. I guess it was like their way of like just breaking, breaking into the uh, second half of the movie with the, uh, you know, them moving on and becoming celebrities and all that kind of stuff. Which again, I know you have a problem with that, but I I didn't really, I didn't really have a problem. It seemed like a natural progression for, cause I mean, they set this guy up as being super ambitious, you know, yeah. and that's, that's all he cares about is money and power, hence his last name, I guess. <laughs> but I think um, it just felt like not a lot was happening <clears throat> and the scenes were so long. They just, or they felt really long. So it felt like really long scenes of just people talking and nothing happening. Yeah, I I do think I do agree with you when they would show them in like the ballrooms doing their show. Like they really they were really it felt like they were trying to convince the audience like us watching the film that this guy is really great at his job kind of thing. But it was just like, I mean, we know it's a script. We know it's just, you know, reciting words from scripts. So it's not like we're wa- actually watching a mentalist show. You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. that could have been cut out. You could have only seen like one scene of it and it would have been fine or, you know, whatever it is. But they were so wordy and so long. But yeah, that was a, yeah. That was just a like drawback. When they were at the carnival me. and they were doing the spirit questions, mm-hmm. that was sufficient. You got to see how they were doing it. How she yeah. kind of played people, how the crowd reacted, how he reacted to her doing it. It, w- it was perfect. And then when we went into these little, like these, these bar scenes where they were doing these big shows and it just ne- never seemed to end. They were saying the same thing over and over again, but with different people or different objects. We get it. Right. And that was one of my issues with the whole code book is that, well, the way the code book works is depending on what she says, it's basically telling him what the object is. But when she's saying basically the same words, you know, every time it like doesn't make any sense because how could she possibly mm. be telling him what the object is if it's the same yeah. freaking words? You know, it doesn't yeah, make- you said and I know what, that they, 15 times. <laughs> yeah, they added, they added the whole point of the code being also inflection, which, okay, I got that, but her inflection also... <laughs> Seemed the same, even when they pointed that that part out, uh, and then cut to her supposedly having a different inflection. It, it seemed the same to me. I don't know, but yeah, I feel like since they set it up at the carnival already, that they could have drastically cut those down or not even shown them at all. They could have just shown like they could have just went into the scene where um, the uh, the older couple or whatever was there or even where the um the psychiatrist lady was asking the question they could have just went right into that maybe shown like one setup of a question and answer before that and then gone into the psychiatrist and it would have been fine and mm. we wouldn't have had those long drawn out scenes but just to give you a bit of a refresher and and that kind of thing but um yeah i think that was that was probably the the biggest drawback on this one um as far as uh length because it was a it was a fairly long movie i think it was like uh what an hour yes. and 50 minutes almost two hours yeah that that was the issue for me it's even though a lot kind of happened plot wise i mean somebody died somebody got married somebody mm-hmm. moved away and had a whole like vaudeville show oh it's yeah. just so excruciatingly long yeah 
True. Now, did you know that he died fairly young? Uh-huh. Tyrone Powers? Yeah. I guess he died in 1958. <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, he was, I know I'm getting off topic here, but I guess he was shooting a movie, um, Solomon and Sheba. And uh, they had like 75% of the of his scenes shot already. And he had a heart attack while he was doing like a, some sort of dueling scene. <clears throat> I don't know. No, what shame. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was um, crazy. That's That's pretty, and I guess at the height of his stardom, really. Yeah. Well, I I did find with this, if I'm honest, I was watching him, Mm -hmm. not the film. Well, that sounds like towards the end. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I but I thought he was. I did think he was really good. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. I didn't. um, I mean, he was okay. He was. It worked. It's just really his, I guess, his... You can tell, though, that he's a bit more of a bigger Hollywood star than what you normally get in film noir, though, can't you? When he starts... It, sometimes it's a little bit sh- like Shakespearean when he's d- delivering lines and stuff and you think, calm down, it's film noir, love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, that's, you know, and that's kind of... I don't know. I have that problem with most, like, uh, A-list actors. Like, they they're, they play themselves more than they're, like, actually playing a character and... You know, so I don't, I never really consider them to be great actors um, just because they're, you know, because I mean, come on, let's, let's face it. Most of those people that become A-list actors are generally that way because they're pretty, you know, and that's, that's why they're on screen. That's why they're in these big movies kind of thing. And that's, you know, it doesn't make them a good actor. You know, I mean, if you look at somebody like Gary Oldman or something like that, or even like uh, uh, Edward Robinson, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, those are real actors to me, but somebody like that, it was fine. You know, played the part. I mean, he's got to be what he is for to be, you know, that, you know, good at his job and charming and, you know, be able to command a room like this character does. So it makes sense. Um, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was like, oh, he's so fantastic. Cause I just didn't, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like you're not caring about acts. It's a good job I'm here to look after them, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was the equivalent of me watching like a Tom Cruise movie. Like I could give a shit, <laughs> you know. Oh, see, that's the difference between you and me. I don't watch Tom Cruise films. Mm. Well, I don't he either. Could do Sherlock I mean... Holmes in a, he could do Sherlock Holmes in a tutu and I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't really either, but there are certain ones that I think are worth watching, you know. Um, but, you know, but I mean, the, like, uh, for instance, um, the first Mission Impossible movie, I thought was really good, you know, because it wasn't necessarily like the Tom Cruise show. You know, it was an ensemble cast. It was like, it was, yeah, it, it wasn't was the Tom Cruise show. Well, yeah. script and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Which the rest of them became, you know, oh, what kind of crazy stunt can he do, you know, on his own? <laughs> what building know? is he climbing up now? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, but there's, there's a few. Like, I, I really like um, Color of Money, which was like the sequel to The Hustler. Um, you know, maybe some of his earlier work, you know. Rain Man. If you say Top Gun, I'm going to punch you through the phone. <laughs> I, I do think Top Gun is a pretty good movie. Oh. Um, it's got its issues, but it's it's pretty good, you know, for an 80s film. And I mean, you can't you can't really argue about those uh, jet scenes, man. Those are those are pretty amazing. Uh, I'm not a big uh, military. Or... I like the soundtrack. <laughs> Kenny Loggins, yeah. All right. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's the king of soundtracks. We need him for something. Oh, if Kenny's singing, it's bloody banging. All right. <laughs> you know, speaking of music, I did notice in this film there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of music. No. Um, but when they did have it, it was like it, it was very appropriate, darker mm-hmm. kind of stuff opposed to what you, I think, would normally hear in like noirs most noirs will have that sort of nightclub big band kind of stuff going on mm-hmm. or or orchestrated and this was this seemed a little darker toned and more fitting more modern i guess i would say uh music in this film uh, well, it's and a very dark story isn't it let's face it yeah yeah it, it really is it really is this whole like you know i i did look up the music um a bit but um i didn't 
I didn't look up the whole geek thing. I wonder if that was like a real thing in carnivals at the time. Um, but that that's like, I mean, wow. <laughs> it's so messed up. Yeah, like, that's awful. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just such a, a strange... Yeah, but you can imagine people doing that though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because people are messed up. Yeah, people are horrible. So, yep. <sighs> when I started writing, when I started writing the synopsis in a nutshell, I'd only just started watching the film, and I was going to put it as geeks rule, and then very quickly realized that is not the case. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Do you think this pushed the boundaries a little bit with the with the geek character and like? how they treat him and what they do. Um, I mean, I think for the time it did. And, and I do know that when it came out, you know, there was a lot of like, sort of, um, there was the, uh, Oh, what do you call it? The code, uh, like films, you know, even like we have today, the MPAA sort of thing, but back then it was like much more strict. Um, there's a lot of the darker elements from the novel that they couldn't put in the film. Um, so I, I think in a way that they were, but there's so much that they didn't show. Um, without jumping ahead into our next episode, you know what I mean? It's like really hard. Uh, I, would, I, would, mm. I would end up talking more about this in the next episode when we talk about the, the new, yeah. the new yeah, version true. of the film. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that they were pushing the envelope, but I don't think they were really allowed to push it as far as they could have. But I think that's a mm -hmm. good thing. Like, I don't yeah. think that was necessarily bad. I think, I think a lot of times with, with film, there, there's a sort of like concept of like with film, it's show, not tell kind of thing, but doesn't mean you have to show everything. No. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like those, a lot of time, less is more. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh. you know, especially like those low budget, like uh horror films where you don't see the monster through the whole thing. It's like, it's effective. You uh -huh. know, because then when you do get to see it, it's the payoff sort of thing. And I think it's the same thing in this sort of scenario uh, where we don't need to see him eat the chicken head or or whatever it is. Like, you know, things like that. Like we don't. It, it's, no, we don't. Yeah. It's, we it's, do not. It's almost better to imagine it than to have to see it. Mm. You know, unless it's just for shock value, which some directors want to do that just for shock value, make people like gross out. But I don't. I don't think that was necessary at all. And I think, I think that, um, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about the carnival or things like that. And whether these things, I mean, you hear stories, but you don't know how sensationalized it is. Like were there really people like that? Did they really sort of kidnap homeless people that were drunk and, you know, make them do that for a, a bottle of whiskey a day? <laughs> or is that just sort of like a tall tale kind of thing? Like, I, I don't know what the truth of that is, but um, you kind of assume that as uh, poor as, you know, people were back then, that would be very easily, that, you know, that could very easily have been done and exploited. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I don't, I don't know if that's really a thing or not. I would like to know, but, um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Um, and I think that by not showing certain things that they, they were pushing the envelope just by, I mean, really it's the book that pushed the envelope and then the film, um, by including it, but not necessarily having to, sh to fully show what was going on, I think was, was a good choice. Um, and mm, I don't, I don't yeah. know that it was the director's choice or if it was just a matter of, you know, they weren't allowed to. Like, I'm curious, like what they would have done. Cause there's other, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it might, it might just have been the censorship or it might've been, you know, maybe he would have chose not to do that anyway. Cause there's other choices that he did that didn't follow the book that weren't necessarily about censorship. Um, you know, there are, there are many things that they couldn't do because of censorship, but, um, even the, you know, like the, the ending of the movie, um, is very different than the book um, as to where this is one of the few film noirs that ends up with a happy ending, I guess, so to speak, which is odd because the movie is so very dark. Um, 
but we do get uh we do get to see an ending that is um got a ray of hope yeah i i you know it's, it's weird i don't know that's a necessarily a ray of hope per se but well i don't think he's gonna let him live in a cage anymore well that's what i'm saying like it's not necessarily a yeah. ray of hope but it's not it's not as dark as it could have been like it, like cuz his life is is you know done at that point uh-huh. you know so he's not necessary i wouldn't say like anybody deserves that so i hear like people talk about oh, he gets what he deserves kind of thing or he feels like he gets what he deserves or that sort of thing um i, I don't think anybody deserves that except for maybe hmm. the worst of human beings and he wasn't the worst of human beings. He was just, you know, he, he was just he, a greedy, a greedy man, wasn't he? Yeah, he did some bad. And got something. Yeah, he did some bad things, but it wasn't like, I mean, it certainly wasn't as awful <laughs> as it could have been. Um, he didn't, he didn't hurt anybody in a unrecoverable manner. I guess you could say. Um, and so I think that that. That was a very. That if I mean, if she wasn't there, showing him a, a fake ghost. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's like I that's don't know messed. That's recoverable. Well, let's face it that that guy has got some issues <laughs> to begin with, <laughs> right? Produce so, me a ghost now. I want an apparition, <laughs> right? <laughs> So anybody who sort of falls into that, especially that person of their wealth and stature, I don't, I don't really feel that bad for them because they're, they're asking for it. Right. You know, in a lot of ways, just like the lead character, you know, is asked, stands asking for it. Uh, you know, so it's hard to like really feel bad for him except for that fate is so inhumane. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I, I thought it was a good call in this film to end it with that. And, you know, as you said, with a sort of a ray of hope, but I don't really call that hope. It's just more of like a less severe fate, you know, because he's, he's basically going to end up like um, uh, whatever the guy was that, you know, he inadvertently killed. Um you know, ah, the I can't think of Pete. Right? Yeah, Pete. Yeah. So I mean, he basically is going to end up like Pete, right? That's that's his real fate. That's you know, Pete didn't end up as a geek, right? So that's that to me that that worked pretty well as an ending because with that scene where you were talking about that was overly long and tells you the whole story, you know, that ending works perfectly in line with that. As to where if they follow the original book. And he, his fate is, you know, just as a geek the rest of his life till he drinks himself to death. That's not exactly the same as what um, Pete's story was, you know, and is overtly dark in my opinion uh, for this guy. You know, there's other, there's other characters and other stories that probably, you know, might deserve as harsh of an ending as that, but. I don't necessarily think that he does, you know? So yeah, before we uh, give a rating on this movie, is there anything else that you want to discuss? Was anything, any surprises in this film or were you surprised Um, by the, uh, the twist with the, uh, the psychiatrist? Yeah, I was a little bit to be fair. And I thought that the, the ghost scene was just so, so scary. I thought that was really well done. Mm, One okay. of the best scenes that I've that I've seen for a while. Although I did really want him to throw him in the water fountain, if I'm honest, because that's a horrible thing to do. <laughs> throw him in the water fountain? Yeah. Well, they were getting proper close to the edge and I thought, shove him in, mate. Just shove him in and bash his head in. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and he didn't. So, you know, there we go. Right. Those damn MP... Or, uh, uh, censorship rules <laughs> oh yeah god damn you all. there's no water fountain throwing <laughs> <laughs> but I, did, I didn't like that she didn't get her comeuppance properly yeah I, well I mean you know women barely rarely did in these kinds of movies unless they're like kind of the star and I, I don't necessarily know that that bothered me too much because I mean let's face it she's a bit naive 
I mean, she should, she should know what's this guy's doing, what he's about. She's still stuck around. Like, I don't like, why did she do that? You know, why did, why did she play the ghost? Why did she allow that to happen? She was ready no, to leave. No, she not her. Said, I meant the doctor. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess I agree with that, but I don't know how she really would have, you know, per se, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I do know how she would have because of the new movie, but um, it's probably in the book too. I'm not really sure, but I don't know that that like this, I don't know. It didn't bother me, I guess, in this film, uh, you know, like to me, it was just sort of like, I it mean, was his, his she, path at that point And it didn't really yeah. matter. I suppose it's just, it's the people that you meet on the journey and how you react to them. That's the whole right. point of it. But, you know, I wasn't a fan of her. I did quite like how smart she was. And I thought mm-hmm. she, she's actually one of the few characters that's outsmarted, well and truly outsmarted a bloke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In and these I mean, films. I- Maybe that's why she didn't get any comeuppance because she kind of earned the title and deserve the right to keep the money. Yeah. And I think she says something to that effect, like in one of their like kind of meetings where I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says something about like, you know, uh, not being able to lose or uh, outsmart. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it was, but she sort of alludes to like her ability to, to outsmart people. And I mean, that's exactly what she does. And yeah. I mean, well, I, I, yeah. And I think a lot of people might think it is sort of like a twist ending, but I, I, I don't know for me, I just, I see it coming a mile away kind of thing. And especially, I think the clincher is really where they show her recording the sessions. Um, I did think it was very stupid that he was keeping it in her safe. Yeah. I mean, Who like does I, that? I, Person that I've met for two weeks, would you like all of this stash of money that you can keep in your safe? <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. I mean, I I understand it, but I do agree. It's I, I don't think that I would do that. Um, also, it's a little strange that she's like, I don't want a cut of the money. That's like kind of a red flag. Lies. Yeah. yeah. Lies. And, she, said yeah. she doesn't want a cut because she's taking it all. Sure. And can you even, is, was there even home record recording? Like, could, was that a thing? Like, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Could, could you record directly to a record at home? Because that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It was like one of those things where as soon as they showed that, I'd like, I like, I knew that that was going to happen. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, a huge twist to me. I knew she was setting him up. She was learning about him, whatever. And something was going to come down to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the money and her safe thing was kind of strange, but yeah, you know, who knows? Characters in noirs do a lot of strange things that normal people wouldn't necessarily do. I guess she just he just didn't want his wife to find it, or I don't know what. I mean, do these people not use banks back then? I don't know. I guess after the Great Depression, there was no trust in banks, so. Oh, uh, maybe to be fair. Yeah, because I mean, what are they're only like ten years away from that? At that point, um, or so. Uh, yeah, hollowed so I don't out know. books. They need hollowed oh. out books. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want a whole library. If I ever won the lottery or something, I want like a whole library yeah. of hollowed out books. Mm-hmm. Just Keep full one, of stuff. Not one money, dollar just in random each book. shit. <laughs> yeah, like 50p. Or <laughs> 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 like fake passports for other people. So then people are like, oh, I've got this like freaky secret. Somebody finds one, they're just like, what the hell? (laughs) Yes, that's what I want. And then when I die, I want people to waste their time figuring out my hollowed out books. That is hilarious. Yeah. Ha ha, in your face. There's nothing there. I love that. That, How how can we work that? There ain't nothing there. (laughs) We need to work that into a movie somehow. It's hilarious. I think that's so funny. And both of our wills. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That's funny. Yeah.
Well, yeah. I don't know. Um, anyone that knew me would know the real shit was in the filing cabinets. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's in the top drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Alphabetically organized. Right. <laughs> 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 um, all right, Carly, I guess it's time to rate this. Um, I'm curious what your rating is, so you go first. Okay. This was this was quite tricky to rate for me because I wanted to be fair even though I was bored out my skull for a little portion <laughs> but there was quite a lot of things that I liked so I went with a five. Oh, yeah, I, well I hovered between a five and a six mm-hmm. not a four no not a four five and a six because okay. I really love how dark and twisted the theme and the story is Mm-hmm. But I just, I got took out of so much of the film from just unnecessary just talking. Yeah, too much exhibition, yeah. Yeah, that by the time it sort of rolled back round to that, I felt like I'd missed a bit because I was zoning in and out, which is very possible as well. Um, because I really, really loved, again, when, when it sort of like circled back to the carnival, and mm-hmm. Stan started to look like Pete. Yeah. And he'd started to pick up his habits. I think they made a comment about you'll have enough money to get yourself coffee or whatever. But he, he looked like Pete. And I thought, that's brilliant. That's an absolute stroke of brilliance mm-hmm. to have him look like that character. And I kind of just wished that when the pair of them went off to do their act and then con people, I just wish that that was a lot less because I mm. think if that that whole portion had been shorter it would have been like a 9 or a 10 it just felt like it was darting off in every which way direction right? and I couldn't quite figure out what was going to stick I almost feel like but if a modern like, movie if it had been a TV series I feel like if it had been like a TV series it would have been absolutely spot on because obviously with the book there's a lot that they tried to bring in mm-hmm but for a film, there was, there was a lot going on, but not a lot going on. Right. Yeah. And I mean, with the newer film, I would have expected like a, a newer film to maybe have started with them, like in the city doing these big shows and then. Yes. Um, and then fallen back into exposing the carnival aspect to it and seeing all the backstory and stuff kind of come into play. And that might have maybe fixed fixed that scenario for you had it not started with the carnival, which I know you felt was more interesting, but gave it a different sort of vibe, right? So mm, had it started yeah. in the city and all that other stuff going on, maybe you would have been more into it and then it would have been more interesting when the backstory came into play um, instead of just seeing first. I always find that sort of an interesting sort of concept when they do that when it's just sort of like laid out linear like that um i think it's harder to make those transitions between you know those i mean styles really um because it's just like people people transition from different periods in their life into new things and it's hard to do that in a film because you're seeing this and expecting it in a certain way and then it jumps you know, even like Psycho, you know, Psycho is kind of like that. We're, you know, in a crime heist sort of thing. And then all of a sudden it's a horror film where from Dust Till Dawn, you know, it's kind of the same thing where it's like a lot of people had a problem with that where it's like this crime movie. And then all of a sudden it's a vampire film and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and then this is a carnival movie. And then all of a sudden it's a big city, you know, hotshot movie. Um, you know, that's, I guess that, that can be an issue. Um, Oh, that's that's quite a bit lower than I I thought you would give it, honestly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel really bad. I feel really, like really mad at myself for doing it as well because I think I think the the actual story is one of the you know like the whole cycle of the character from the geek at the beginning to how a person becomes a geek. I absolutely love that, and I think that's fantastic. And that's I think that's one of the best kind of things that I've seen. But I just, I can't get over the fact of how mind-numbingly bored I was when it went to the big city 
and yeah. all of that stuff with conning people. Yep. I hear you. <clears throat> all right. Well, um, I rated a little bit higher than you. Um, I'm going to give this movie a seven. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I thought that, um, it was, I thought it was pretty solid. It was, it was sufficiently dark and creepy in a lot of ways. And it was very different, um, sort of style noir. Um, it sort of, you know, gets you away from that sort of detective femme fatale kind of film, uh-huh. um, which I thought was interesting. Um, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not a huge fan of like the carnival sort of like aspect. Um, but it was so interesting cause it didn't, you know what I mean? They didn't like focus on like the hairy lady and the strong man and all, even though like certain things like the cheesy carnival stuff was in there. Um, this whole geek thing was just kind of like, that's so crazy to me. Um, that it was, you know, it made it interesting, but also like super dark. You know, because it's, it's such a morality, maybe not even morality tale, but, um, you know, I'm not even exactly sure what you would call that, but, uh, you know, and then the whole history repeating itself sort of aspect to it, I, I enjoy. So I didn't have a problem with the, you know, that sort of, um, exhibition of sort of telling the, the whole story there. Um, so to speak, because I mean, part of the fun is seeing how this person is going to accept that information and uh, either overcome it or fall into the same, you know, sort of nightmare. And um, I, I did like there's there's sort of one, I guess, saving grace factor to me is that he didn't purposely kill uh, Pete. It was an accident. It was a, yeah. You know, he, although he probably shouldn't have given him any alcohol. The fact that he accidentally gave him the wrong bottle was sort of like the, okay, this guy isn't totally a bastard. Yeah. You know, um, so that, that I, I liked that aspect of it. And then him sort of realizing it and then hiding it. I think it's, I think it, I almost feel like it was less sort of saving his butt kind of thing and more, I don't want to hurt anybody else, you know, any further, yeah. you know, and I thought that was also, I wouldn't say, okay, but I thought that worked better than it totally being about him trying to, you know, save himself kind of thing, because that seemed like yeah. that would be typical of that character. <clears throat> but he really seemed like he felt bad about it and that, that kind of thing. Um, and again, I didn't mind the transition into the city and um, showing those big shows, but I do agree that they, uh, they were overtly long and could have been less of the actual shows. Um, Cause there was nothing really different about it other than people dressed better in a bigger ballroom setting. You know, there wasn't, it was basically the same thing as in the uh, carnival um, of what they're doing. Just, you know, him uh, doing the mentalist act instead of uh, doing the questions, you know? Um, so it could have been a lot less. And um, yeah, um, I, I don't, I, I think I knocked it down a, a gen because of the the twists. I don't think we're overtly twisty. I think they were pretty obvious and, you know, we were going to figure that out pretty easily. Um you know, somebody comes into the picture like that with that kind of power and all that kind of stuff, you know, what's going to happen kind of, I mean, in my mind anyways, you know, if she's recording other people, she's going to record him. She knows she's going to use against him, all that kind of stuff. So, and he's not exactly a faithful person. So, you know, he's going to get involved with her and, you know, then there's going to be drama between him and the wife and he's going to still need her for something. That's exactly what happened. So, um, you know, and that's, that's probably just, you know, issues that come from the original book, um, not necessarily from the movie, but, uh, you know, I think that, you know, they, they, those are elements they maybe should have masked a little better, made them a little more interesting or changed them enough to where it weren't so obvious. <clears throat> um, so it's not, you know, by far for me, it's not a perfect film, but, um, I thought it worked pretty well and it was sufficiently dark. It was a very dark film. It was probably, I think it's, <clears throat> it's one of the darker noirs that I've seen. And I would say that, um, because it's, it's like dark through the entire film. Like it, it's almost like it has that, it honestly, it has that feel of, 
you know, the TV show Millennium where it's like, there's such this sort of, um, repressive like darkness to the whole thing. You know, even when something like dark isn't necessarily happening, it like you feel it watching this film, <laughs> the entire thing yeah. is where most noirs has a sort of roller coaster kind of feel. Um, and then it gets really dark at the end or starts out really dark, but you know what I mean? This one, like it felt dark through the whole thing. Um, yeah. and that's yeah, not- from the minute that you turn it on, Oh, something's going to go terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Terribly, yeah. terribly wrong. Yeah. And that, I think that's what yeah. really makes it stand apart and adds to its, uh, cult classic kind of status, I think. <clears throat> so, yeah. All right. So seven for me. Solid seven, yeah. And you get you did a five, right? Is that what you said? A five? Yeah, yeah, five. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> that's all right. Uh, can't win them all, Carly. This is true. Yeah, you seem to hate all the popular stuff. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, not I've even always been like that. Not even Tyrone Powers eyeliner could save this film for Carly. No, unfortunately not. And it tried bloody hard as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Groucho Marx. The eyeliner uh, was winking at me. Yeah. So. Let's say, or the Groucho Marx uh, uh, eyebrows. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoy your neon nightmare along with uh, watching Nightmare Alley, 1947 film. Um, and we're going to follow us up next week with um, with uh, the new Gilmar del Toro Nightmare Alley and uh, see how it compares alright guys until next time he's looking at you kid one more rhythm start to play Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noir Cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon, or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime. 